This is Kick-Ass News. I'm Ben Mathis. It's happened to all of us. Right before an important presentation, the printer runs out of ink. Brother Inkvestment tank printers help put a stop to this and can literally change the way you ink. With your choice of one or two years of ink included in box, Inkvestment Tank helps eliminate the expense and hassle of frequently buying and replacing ink cartridges. Learn more at changethewayyouink.com. What makes a data breach the worst breach of all time? How about losing our social security numbers, the keys to our identities? How about losing 145 million of them? Breach is a podcast that takes you inside the world's biggest hacks, how they're done, who does them, and what's really at stake when your private data is compromised. And this season, they're investigating the worst breach ever, Equifax. Listen to Season 2 of Breach, The Equifax Story. This time it's personal. Subscribe to Breach, that's B-R-E-A-C-H, in your podcast app right now. And now, enjoy the show. is rooted in the idea of compassion for the weak and the rights rooted in the idea of respect for the strong and they break up though in very different behaviors as you got all the vegans over here all the hunters over here decide likes yoga and pilates this side lifts weights and works construction this side believes in therapy this side believes in prayer booze and opiates i'm ben mathis welcome to kick-ass news That was a clip from Brian Callen's new hour-long comedy special, Complicated Apes. You know Brian from his hit ABC comedy series, The Goldbergs, and Schooled, as well as his podcasts, The Fighter and the Kid, and Mixed Mental Arts, and movies like The Hangover 1 and 2. And now in his latest special, Brian is addressing uncomfortable truths and questioning assumptions about race, gender, and politics in a hilariously relevant hour of comedy reminiscent of the great George Carlin. And today, Brian joins me on the podcast to share how his childhood growing up in countries all over the world inspired him to question labels and defy categorization, and his particular issue with using the catch-all term Asians to describe 48 different nationalities. We talk about the polarizing effect of political parties, why he believes liberals and conservatives share the same fundamental values, and why he says everyone should demand to be treated like a verb instead of a noun. Oh, and Brian says he has a big problem with political correctness and that stand-up comedy just might be the last bastion of free speech in America. We also talk about how he came to be associated with mixed martial arts, what it's like inside the surprisingly open-minded world of MMA, and how women in the UFC cured him of chauvinism. Plus, Brian thinks he'd be a terrible Border Patrol agent, his proposal to make the world a better place through idea sex, And at the end of the day, he says all of us are just complicated apes. Coming up with Brian Callen in just a moment. Comedian, actor, and podcaster Brian Callen is most known for his recurring role as Coach Meller on ABC's The Goldbergs and on the spin-off series Schooled, which premiered earlier this year. 
Callan has also appeared in such TV and films as Kingdom, Two Broke Girls, Ride Along, Hangover 1 and 2, Sex in the City, Old School, Mad TV, Entourage, Californication, and many, many more. He's the host of one of the most listened to podcasts in the world, The Fighter and the Kid, and now he's coming out with a new hour-long comedy special called Complicated Apes, premiering March 12th from Comedy Dynamics. Brian, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much. Good to be here. I guess I mostly originally know you from your sketch days when you were on Mad TV and your acting work and stuff like Hangover 1 and 2. And, and you've on... seen none of my athletic work? <laughs> you haven't seen my tennis when I'm out there on the court tearing it up? My not boxing? Yet. All right. Not, how about MMA? Do you do MMA yourself? I sure don't. I was, no? uh, I mean, I did, you know, I've dabbled in all that, but uh, yeah. I do a little boxing. Oh, you still, do? Yeah. Like yeah. regular boxing? Like yeah, like American boxing. Or, oh, yeah? You know, like classic boxing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Only because it's so difficult and it keeps me humble. Yeah. And I'm terrible. <laughs> and even after four years of working hard at it, I still get punched in the face. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. You know, I'm a big boxing fan, too. I have to confess, I know that you're heavily associated with MMA, but I've always been more of a traditional boxing guy, but it seems yeah. harder and harder these days. It's just There's just yeah. no energy behind heavyweight boxing anymore. Well, and because I don't know of why. the different divisions. You've got these okay. people like Bob Arum and stuff, who, and 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 Eddie Hearn, all these guys who create their own divisions and have mm -hmm. deals with ESPN versus the Zone. Yeah. And what happens is now Tyson Fury doesn't fight Joshua. Now Joshua doesn't fight Deontay Wilder. Yeah. And it just it, it just ruins the sport. It just okay. kills the sport. So the best fighters don't sense. fight the best fighters. That's okay. why it took forever to have Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather fight. Because they were in different divisions and nobody could make a deal, and and so it, it's it's it used to be when there was one division, <clears throat> when yeah. there was one really network or whatever, especially one division, they could make a deal with whatever network, and you'd see Frazier fight Ali. Mm -hmm. And so what happens yeah. now is I guess we'll see Tyson Fury fight Deontay again, or when they're eighty, and and yeah. uh, <laughs> it's just it's 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 so obnoxious. It's so fucking obnoxious yeah. it's basically these promoters who are, are concerned with one thing which is money mm -hmm. and maybe it's good for the fighters maybe the fighters make money and they just they just we toil away in boxing and nobody really cares yeah they could make boxing the biggest sport in the world again yeah to, but they won't because yeah. they're greedy so you'll never have a thrill in manila or anything like that again not, uh, not while there are all these yeah. these a-holes like uh yeah. these 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 promoters who, who make they're not even a-holes they're just they're just, uh, I guess they're just, do they're capitalists who are doing whatever yeah. makes sense for their pocketbook, but it doesn't give us the best fights. Okay, okay, that makes sense, because now that I think about it, I remember Don King told me something like that million years oh, ago. Did you, ever, so, did you do a podcast uh, with him? I didn't or? do a podcast, but I met him a few times, and I asked him what's going on with boxing, and he said there's just too many sanctioning bodies now. Yeah. You can't have a, a huge heavyweight title fight, except no. for you know once in a blue moon, like yeah. you said. I mean, it's very Totally rare. makes sense. Yeah. Now, you know, I mentioned that you've got this podcast, The Fighter and the Kid, which you co-host with former mixed martial arts fighter Brendan Schaub. And I know that you've worked with Joe Rogan a lot and you appear at a lot of UFC events. How did you become associated with MMA? I've just always been a fight fan. Uh -huh. I always wanted to be a tough guy, which I'm not. <laughs> but I was, you know, it starts when you're a kid and I was, you know, as a wrestler and I did all that okay. other stuff when I was younger and, and tried to be a fighter, you know, mm -hmm. or, or I just didn't. I was, you know, I'm 5'11 and 170 and I just wanted to be able to not eat shit when somebody gave me a hard time you know the, all these ideas in your head yeah um and i was bullied when i was a little kid so i just was like i can't have this so um 
I think I just uh, I, I just developed through my amateur endeavors of mm-hmm. you know it was just my sport, mm-hmm. and then I, I just developed such a huge uh, admiration for guys who took it to the next level. And then MMA was a sport that came around really when I was it was new. I mean, it came it came to be when I was twenty seven or something. Okay. I mean, it was yeah. a, nobody knew who Hoist Grace. Nobody knew what Brazilian Jiu Jitsu was. Nobody yeah. knew what mixed mental <laughs> or mar, mixed martial arts were. That's a very new. It's a new sport. It's still in its in infancy. So um, to be witness to that, I remember when Joe Rogan and I in literally 1996, when Randy Couture, who was just some guy who was a wrestler and 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 a guy named Vitor Belfort back then, um, was we were in I think like. Uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, or somewhere like that, and it was t- it took place in a parking lot. The fight took place <laughs> in a park parking lot. Wow! <clears throat> and I so 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 it was such a new thing, and it was just all this mm-hmm. smorgasbord of disciplines. Really, it was basically tough guys, yeah, and really good wrestlers who were like, "Hey, let's do this." And Brazilian guys who they're all just tough, yeah, grapplers. And then yeah. of course, it's now really graduated into a high level striking game because these guys have the best Dutch kickboxing teachers and the best boxing teachers and now if you want to be you know a great fighter like dustin poirier or something you have to be good at everything yeah i forget how new it is i mean but but you're comparing it of course to probably just about every other major sport now has a hundred year plus pedigree this is a 25 year old sport it really is it's maybe less yeah now, in your special Complicated Apes, you say that you were a chauvinist until UFC started opening the cage to women, I guess. That's exactly right. Uh, how did right. that change your mind? <clears throat> because <clears throat> I think that, you know, I, I do this joke, where, which is true, which is, <clears throat> sorry, which is that um, I don't, I, my mind is not going to be changed mm-hmm. by a book on feminism. There are okay. thoughtful feminists of all different, and when you say feminist, that's a spectrum. And there are a lot of feminists who have different points of view. Feminists disagree all the time. But I'm a guy. I'm not picking a book up on feminism. I'm not I should yeah. maybe, but I always <laughs> feel like I'm gonna get to a chapter where it's gonna be like, and the ultimate problem is you. And it'll just be a yeah. bunch of mirrors, right? <laughs> but what changed my mind was watching women fight with the same courage, grit, and skill as men. I didn't think that was possible. And desire. And desire and competitive spirit. Yeah, who and, knew? And I, I didn't know. <laughs> and on, on top of that, they 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 haven't compromised their femininity, quote unquote. They haven't yeah. compromised. A lot of them are hot. A lot of them are sexy, like Valentina Shevchenko, etc. They're just they're beautiful women who happen to be able to break your jaw and choke you out. And <laughs> and you know, so so when you when you see a woman go through that and 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 exhibit that kind of grit and courage and and skill. You don't call them chicks. Yeah. You call them <laughs> yeah. you call them women. You do so you do it. They're, do they're so more man than I'll ever <laughs> yeah. be, but they're also yeah. feminine and beautiful. So mm-hmm. it was like it was a it was an eye opener for me and it's been an eye opener for a lot of men. Yeah. You know the the least chauvinist place in the world in many ways is an MMA gym. It's that's really? the irony. You think so? It's not the college campus <laughs> with all those uh, you know all these people talking about a tyrannical patriarchy. It's not. That's all theory and bullshit. It's the <laughs> women that go out there and just they're like so can I. Yeah. So can I. And that's where men who who train with them and get them ready for it. If you want to talk about LGBT LGTB or BT rights or whatever, why is nobody talking about Amanda Nunez who's got her girlfriend cornering her? And Amanda <laughs> Nunez is the best female fighter ever. And 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 you know, and she's got her and her girlfriend's hot. 
Mm-hmm. She's got her gorgeous girlfriend who who literally who's also a fighter who manages her. There are a lot of gay women in the sport that support each other and everything else. Why are we that. not talking about that? Because yeah. they don't know it. Because nobody watches the sport yet. And it's okay. Yeah. I'm not criticizing them, but that if you want to see where the forefront of feminism is in in this in these terms, the people that are actually changing hearts and minds of of chauvinists like myself <laughs> that the people that are actually changing our minds and getting us yeah. to look at women differently are not the women who write things like the beauty myth they're not Naomi Wolf and all these women they're not they're not the they're not these journalists who write these you know that whoever that woman was who wrote good and mad you're not changing my my mind i'm not reading your mm-hmm. books but the people that are changing our minds and getting us to look at women differently and with respect even though, even though I'm not saying that it's a shame that that we all have to learn this this way, are those women? Yeah, I mean, the I'm just saying they're doing, doing more of a job. Of it. The guys yeah. thing. Yeah. I'm not saying that yeah. a lot of men don't look at women with respect. You should, uh, and, yeah. and you know, you should Careful. be raised properly. But, yeah. but you know, let's be yeah. honest. It, 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 these are these are this 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 movement is slow to to realize. Yeah, and, and you do huh. it through, and you don't do it through coercion. Mm-hmm. You don't do it through force. You do it through, you know, my, my, my joke is violence against women is always wrong unless it's being done by a woman to another woman in a cage and is televised. <laughs> and then it goes a long way in changing yeah. the hearts and minds of chauvinists. Yeah. It just does, man. Yeah. That's the irony of it. Uh, yeah, and it's interesting to hear you talk about how inside the sport, MMA is very forward thinking because in my imagination, I would tend to think that most that the majority of MMA fans probably – lean more Trump than Hillary, probably are in flyover country and have sympathy for the middle-aged, white working male and that kind of thing. That's right. I'm going to bring up a a website that I follow, too, on on Instagram. uh, And it's, um, let me see if I can find it. But it's a woman, she's from Russia, and she's a high-level boxing coach. And I watch her videos so that when I go into the gym and I spar, I I can kind of like, it's called Kitek Boxing, K-I-T-E-K Boxing. Mm Mm-hmm. She is a high level. So there's a real renaissance in Russia. Some of the best boxers come out of Russia. She has a gym where she's clearly she she was a fighter. She's a woman. She's got all these badass men who are hanging on her every word, and she <laughs> knows what she's talking about. Yeah. So it's just all of these things have been a surprise to me. Yeah. You know? That's funny. Yeah. So 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 that's what I think is fascinating. Yeah. Is that if you want to if you want to these women are going in into the lion's den. Yeah. And becoming lions. Now, I'm curious because, you know, as a white middle-aged male and you're talking about MMA, does your show, The Fighter and the Kid, does that lean? It's do you think men. your audience is it's more all kind it's all of dudes. that crowd? Yes, it's all guys. middle-aged white guys? No, not just uh, white guys. It's a lot of Latino people. It's not oh, as really? many blacks okay. as I'd like, uh, oh. African-Americans, but uh, but it's it's definitely a lot of uh, uh, mm-hmm. Latino people. It's a lot of... Um, uh, I, I hate these words, white. This is the other thing I talk about on my podcast. Yeah. White, black, Latino, right. Asian, 48 countries in Asia. But you, right. you know what we're talking about, right? <laughs> so I guess Filipinos and Chinese are similar. We'll just call them all Asian. They're the same. You know how different? Yeah. It just, it's, so, it's so crazy. I, so we I, yeah, need a better that. word. We just do. I love that you pointed that out in your special, how we, we always refer to Asians and it's 48 countries, which are as different as you know I mean, Russia oh and like God. Pakistan. Yeah, who it's like decided Asian, you know, Malawi or something. Right. Like, then this is the problem with using one word to describe Mm -hmm. a complicated ape like a human being. Yeah. It just is, man. Yeah. And that's what, that's the whole, the whole, I guess, theme of my show. Um, 
And a theme is really an, a, an author's argument for how one should behave in the world. Mm-hmm. That's my argument, is that we, we need to stop treating each other like nouns. You can't categorize like people. We are verbs. Yeah. I'm a verb, bro. Mm. Sometimes I'm a sinner. Sometimes I'm a saint. Sometimes I'm in the middle. Sometimes <laughs> I'm, I'm a Republican. Sometimes I'm a Democrat. Sometimes I'm a conservative. Sometimes I'm liberal as fuck. It just depends. I'm a, yeah. I, I believe in free markets, but I'm a sexual communist. Yeah. You're allowed, it's the other thing I talk about. You're allowed, to, you're allowed to be a feminist, a hardcore feminist and a CEO and run a huge company and enjoy being tied up sometimes. Mm-hmm. You're allowed. That's allowed yeah. <laughs> because that's what it is to be human. It, that's yeah. honest. And, and we are being pushed into these echo chambers. It's so easy to purify mm-hmm. your echo chamber now as a human being. I can just, Facebook has an algorithm. I can just surround myself. So does YouTube. I can yeah. surround myself by shit I want to hear that, that supports my bias. Yeah. That confirms my bias. Yeah, it's almost a case where I don't even want to make any kind of definitive declaration one way or another on anything. Yeah. Because the moment I do that, I'm going to be boxed into that by society forever for the rest of my life. And, you know, the fact is people change. People receive new information, have different experiences that change them. Well, be be responsive. I've had to learn that I, I have to be responsive to the evidence. Mm-hmm. If you start you talking go. about when I hear Ocasio Cortez and I hear socialism yeah. and Bernie Sanders, my hackles go up because I was raised <laughs> I, I, because I was raised to believe that socialism and collectivism is evil. Yeah. Now there's a large part of me that still can make an argument for that, but that doesn't mean that the people talking about it are evil, and it mm-hmm. doesn't mean that they don't have ideas that should be listened to, mm-hmm. so that, that I can take my ideas, put their ideas together, and we have idea sex, right? <laughs> idea sex. I mean, that's I how that. you move shit forward. We get yeah. smarter when we listen to each other. We don't get yeah. smarter when we surround ourselves with the people that say, you know, that think the same way we do. Yeah, yeah. You you get dumber, and democracy gets dumber. It doesn't help anything. Mm-hmm. The other day I had Arthur Brooks on and he said something very similar. And he said that the people who engage the most, who are just obsessive commenters, there's an actual correlation between that and various types of uh, antisocial disorders. Yes, of course. I mean, the people that do yeah. that are a mess. Mm-hmm. The people that are just, I mean, the, the ones that are just into negative comments. Are, yeah. you know, I don't read that stuff. Yeah. I actually don't read good or bad. I think that's oh, really? a good practice. Yeah. You don't read good or bad. No, I don't read any good comments because uh, so I don't kind, read comments. What comments do you read? I don't read then? any comments. Oh, you don't read any? Okay. No. Sometimes somebody will bring it to my attention, or I'll read something that's funny. But okay. for the most part, I I'm not reading. And and the times I have looked, it's overwhelmingly good. So I'm I'm grateful. Okay. But problem with good is that I will want more good, and yeah. and it'll start to define me. Oh yeah. And, and it's just shot in the arm. And then if somebody says something bad, <gasps> you know. Yeah. So I don't give a shit like mm-hmm. i don't listen good for you no i just i keep creating that's good all for i can you, do man yeah. yeah yeah i mean the good comments become a drug yeah i yeah. know when i'm yeah. good i yeah. know when i'm good yeah good i for know you. when i'm good and i know when i'm mediocre and i know when i'm bad I'm yeah. very, that's what my expertise lives there because i've been doing it for 25 years yeah so i'm very aware of like i like i'm very proud of this special yeah. i know what's good i don't need anybody to tell me i know that's the best at least it's the best i can do mm-hmm. and i think it's unique and you know why i know it's good because people would would you know when i was done they'd stand up <laughs> it's yeah they'll let thing. you know yeah they'll let you know <laughs> and they laugh through the whole yeah thing. and i like this idea of idea sex you know cross pollinating across different cultures and yeah you know, people who come from different perspectives. No one yeah, seems my to buddy do that Adam anymore. Hansen, uh, who wrote a, a really great book, uh, which now he talks about the different kinds of. Oh shit! I wish I knew the book. But anyway, he he uh, um, Adam Hansen uh, was the one who coined that term. 
ITSX, and I love it. I, I think that's what's it. Yeah. It might have been somebody else, but I think he, at least that's where I heard yeah. it. Yeah. And I wonder where all this comes from with you, because I know that as a kid, you lived all over the world, Philippines, uh, India, Pakistan, Lebanon, Greece, Turkey, Saudi Arabia. Not Turkey, and, but Saudi Arabia. Oh, I've not been Turkey? To, oh, I've been to Turkey and twice. And Chad. <laughs> no, not yet. That, that's okay, all that's bullshit. Weird. Okay, all okay, this stuff the, that says I'm I'm a Native American. This is all my yeah. Wikipedia page. Okay, yeah, good I don't, old I gotta Wikipedia that. never gets it wrong. I'm man. Irish Italian, but I did. I was <laughs> okay. born in the Philippines. I lived in uh, uh, mm-hmm. India. Uh, I went to uh, Calcutta, okay. and Mumbai, okay. and then Lebanon, and then Pakistan, then Lebanon again, then Greece, then Saudi Arabia, and then when I was 14, I came to the United States to live for the first time, and I went to boarding school up in Massachusetts for four years, wow. and then I went down to. Uh, uh, Washington D.C. and I went mm-hmm. to college there, and then I worked in New York City, and then I went to L.A. and became an actor. Were, were you a military brat? Uh, a banking. You know, oh, okay, a yeah. banking brat. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah that kind of stuff. Uh, so I wonder, living in all these countries early on, did that affect your perspective on all of, of this? Of course, yeah. of course. So, so you know, th- th- that's why when when I hear the word Arab or I hear the mm-hmm. word Filipino, you 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 know, or Ethiopian, or you know, when you live in Saudi Arabia, you're around a lot of Africans and you're around a lot of East Africans. Africans and mm-hmm. and you're around a lot of Afghanis. You're around a lot of Pakistanis. Around the Sri Lankans, you know, they all come to Saudi to work and and Filipinos and and so what, as a boy, what happens is you're around their people and they speak English and uh, and you get to hear them speak and converse in English. I used to sit in my kitchen and they would all talk in the common language, which was English, and tell stories. So I was exposed to all these different cultures. Mm-hmm. And of course, I in Lebanon and Saudi Arabia, you know, uh, around the Middle East. So most Americans who hear Arab have a very, very skewed idea of what an Arab is. When right. I hear Arab, I think of a dude or a, a lady or a man who just wants a better life for their kids, just like I do, you know. So yeah. I, I, I was never uh, raised with that kind of uh, distance. I was raised with a proximity that allowed me to. Um, to truly believe and understand that mm-hmm. everybody everywhere is basically the same. <laughs> I mean, there are cultural yeah. differences and, and there are cultural shortcomings for all of us. Um, but part of the way you become a modern culture is, and that has its pitfalls too, is to mix and to uh, yeah. see, look at other cultures and what's working and what's not working. That's how you become modern. We're going to take a quick break, and then I'll be back with more with Brian Callen when we come back in just a minute. It happens to the best of us. Right before a big deadline or just when you're printing handouts for a key presentation, the printer runs out of ink. Then you have to go through the expensive hassle of replacing ink cartridges. Thankfully, with an internal ink storage tank, large ink cartridges, and an intelligent page gauge that displays ink levels, Brother Ink Vestment Tank printers can literally change the way you ink. Brother Ink Vestment Tank Color Inkjet All-in-One Printers deliver ultra-convenience along with a low cost per page and affordable upfront pricing. Enjoy uninterrupted printing with your choice of up to one or two years of ink included in box. Inkvestment tank printers can keep your business running while delivering super functionality including print, copy, scan, and fax. With Inkvestment Tank, there's no sweating over your printer running out of ink, just the features, convenience, reliability, and affordability you need. Learn more at changethewayyouink.com and get ready to change the way you ink. And now, back to the show. 
I'm interested in your interest in categories because you do bring it up a lot in your special. When did you first become aware of or interested in labels? Um, I think a part of it was just the amount of reading and listening I do to people mm. like Jordan Peterson and uh, okay. who's done my yeah. podcast three times now. And right. th th that stuff is, has been very influential. Uh, he's so good at articulating ideas, but, but there are a lot of people. I mean, it's not just that. Um, I think, I think, uh, I started thinking about labels, um, because I started hearing the word Arab a lot okay. and terrorist a lot. Okay. And this and, post two thousand. And I hear it. In, yeah, and I hear it now. In um, I hear it now with with the sort of people, the Trump camp sometimes mm. when they talk about uh, Mexicans yeah. and criminals and rapists and those are nouns. And yeah. I get very nervous when I hear anybody talking about anybody that way mm -hmm. because um, it's it's again, but but more importantly, the, look, the the far left has the big problems with this shit too. What they'll do is they'll take a picture that somebody took when they were 19 or 16 or and they'll just they'll just go that's who you were and that's who you are. Yeah. No matter what you've done in the past 30 years, you are this person. And and that in its entirety. And more importantly, I will now dismiss you from the world. Mm -hmm. You have you have now been assassinated because when you were 16, 19, 20, 25, whatever it was, it doesn't matter. You you appeared this way, you said this thing in a tweet, whatever it is. And we're doing it on both sides. Yeah. But the left is just as guilty of this as the right. Oh, and again, yeah. we're both we're both um both sides believe in destruction. Mm -hmm. You know, I always say that. The right winger will punch you in the face. A left winger wouldn't punch you in the face. They don't believe in violence, but they will publicly shame you and ruin your career. Right? But both sides because destruction's yeah. much easier than persuasion. Mm -hmm. And by the way, you know, racism. Let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the problem. Really? Uh, I'm saying this okay. is a white guy. I'm not saying that black people especially haven't dealt with a, with the legacy of racism. I, I've read my history, and I know that this country, there was a, a constant onslaught against uh, the, the African-American population. That's a fact. Mm -hmm. Starved of resources. Redlined all those stories. Yes, yes, yes. Slavery? We've been a country longer with slavery than without. So racism is very real and has uh, paid extracted a huge toll. This is what I mean when I say the problem runs deeper than that. Okay. Um, and the problem is that I think we could be as similar as penguins and we would still find reasons to break into us versus them. Mm -hmm. Human beings right. are tribal. And yeah. that, that's, that's, that's what I mean. The mm -hmm. left and the right are the same color. If racism, if, if we got, the, the people say all we need to do is get rid of racism. Oh, yeah? Okay, tell me how that's working for the Middle East. Tell me how that's working for sub-Saharan Africa. Mm -hmm. This yeah. is much yeah. deeper than that. It's a human yeah. tendency to tribe up Absolutely. and to label the other side evil, yeah. wrong, whatever it is. And that that's that's what I'm addressing. Oh, yeah. So, so, that makes sense. Because like, yeah. if you look at Rwanda or Congo, you have <laughs> blacks fighting blacks who have somehow found a way to subdivide themselves into look at the Sudan, specific categories. The, the, the Nua and the Dinka. And the Read Sapiens mm -hmm. by you. you uh, right. Go, great I mean, book, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the Dinka and the Nua are essentially the same people. You'd never mm -hmm. be able to see. There might be tribal differences in, in the scarification of some of the, some of the sort of tribes in the outskirts, but they're essentially, certainly you could not tell the difference. They are similar culture. They're a herding culture and everything else can't stand each other, sworn enemies. Mm -hmm. Dinka means people. 
Nua means original people, or mm-hmm. the other way around. Uh, very common. Human beings. Yeah. Human beings. But, you know, it's our lizard brain. It makes survival easier if we can just label friend and foe, good guy versus bad guy, and We're it's binary. all an impediment Human now. beings are binary. We, yeah. It's very easy. That, that, that's Our mythology is binary. Good guys, bad guys. Yeah. Good guy wears the white hat, bad guy wears the black hat. It goes yeah. back to watch any John Wayne movie or anything else. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's why I like your title of your special here, Complicated Apes, because it, it sort of gets to this tug of war between that ape part of us that's instinctual, just baked in, that make us quick to make judgment calls out of fear and out yeah. of self-preservation. And yet we also have this nuanced and complex way of thinking as modern human beings in our world today, and yeah. the, the two don't always go well, together. Well, because bo- both sides love to make things binary. They mm-hmm. take a very complicated is- issue. The left, the left only talks in terms of, you know, uh, oppressor and oppressed. Yeah. Uh, and and we just gotta equal the playing field because power is imbalanced. And yeah. the right talks about uh, America, uh, people who are here really, you know, kind of white. And uh, and <laughs> and the other the other the, the immigrants are the problem. It's mm-hmm. very easy to do that. And uh, you know, <laughs> well, that's a binary way of looking at things. There's a more nuanced approach. Someone like Thomas mm-hmm. Sowell, who's a brilliant writer, who talks about culture, cultures. Cultures, yeah. some cultures are better at, at amassing wealth and building things that last legacy than others. The yeah. ethnic Chinese didn't, they suffered a whole lot of discrimination, believe me. And I don't know, I, I'm not ethnic Chinese, but pick up a history book and take a look at the ethnic Chinese's experience in this country, for example, and in Malaysia, Southeast Asia, etc. Uh, but they, and, and no matter where they go, no matter where they go, whether it's Africa or wherever, somehow the ethnic Chinese have a culture that is is very effective at building education, skill sets, uh, economic wealth, uh, um, um, strong family bonds, all these things. Mm-hmm. And they excel. They excel so much that Harvard is being hit with a class action suit because it's getting too Asian. I mean, <laughs> right, Harvard was yeah. literally like, well, "Look, this is becoming that. too Chinese. We gotta. Yeah. I mean, we got an Asian. It's too Chinese. Uh, we got Harvard was like, let's. Uh, uh, you got to be athletic too. Uh, you know, I don't. You know, I mean, you could you can see them panicking. They were like, yeah. well, dude, this is just we're gonna we got to diversify here. Yeah. Uh, you know, I sympathize uh, to an extent, but but um, and then there are some cultures that don't do that. Mm-hmm. And but we never talk about that. <gasps> yeah, you can't talk about ghetto culture, because then you, what you're really saying is maybe black culture or something. <gasps> like you know. But but the fact is that the certain cultures in the black community. This is Thomas Sowell, it's a black scholar. Like the West Indies, uh, the West Indians um, tend to do better than say uh, black uh, black the black population has been here for a long time. Really? Complicated issue. Yes, huh. the Igbo in Nigeria do better than mm-hmm. the, the the Yoruba. Um, so so why? Well, they were a minority. Why did the Armenians? Why did they do well in Turkey? Why were they surrounded by the uh, by the caliphate by, by the um, the the main the main guy who was running things? Uh, they were the, they were the accountants. They were the doctors. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Jews were the same way. There are certain mm-hmm. s- there are certain groups of people who tend their, their cultures for whatever reason tend to be more effective. So can we please look at that? Maybe we could yeah. all learn from the Igbo. Maybe we could all learn from the ethnic Chinese. Yeah. We, you know, maybe we could all learn from the Jews. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we do, but that's why it's so important. Yeah. That's why I'm such a believer in mixing. I like. Yeah. 
I like intermarriage. When I, I used to do this joke I tried to write, when I see like a black guy and a white, white woman mar- like dating, I kind of nod my approval. Like I like the mix. I want, I want things to get brown. You know, I do. I, I, there's something yeah. about, about um, the idea of just, I just want, I want it, I love a melting pot. Mm-hmm. I, that's our strength, man. Yeah. Because we learn from each other. Yeah. My culture, my culture, well, I don't know what my culture is, but let's just take white traditional Anglo-Saxon culture. Mm-hmm. There's liabilities there. It's it's not you gotta you know. Can you imagine? Can you imagine white America without without African the African experience without the African influence? We wouldn't yeah. have rock and roll. We wouldn't have yeah. jazz, yeah. our highest American art form. We wouldn't have all this color. We yeah. wouldn't. We wouldn't even have our language. Yeah. You know. So so yeah. so part of American culture that we export is biracial mm-hmm. culture. It yeah. is. It's Absolutely. biracial. You know. Once you take race out of it. Culturally, you know, it's very surprising the people that you wouldn't think would have common cause who do. Like a white conservative from Minnesota may have more in common with a Mexican Catholic than uh, they would with, a, you know, a white person 100%. from New York or from Maryland or anywhere else. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Well, also, you know, remember that, you know, Janis Joplin and, and, uh, Jim Morrison and uh, and all the uh, Lou Reed and the mm-hmm. Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin, uh, their heroes were the black blues sure. players. They they yeah. were copying Muddy Waters and those guys. They were yeah. copying them. They were biting their riffs. They were speaking like them. There would not be rock and roll without yeah. the the ne- quote unquote Negro spiritual. You know, in that that was born in the fields of you know the cotton fields, etc. That, yeah. that 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 is where it came from. Yeah, I mean, all American music, really, even yeah. country. What I do you mean, think drums it, come it from? Something to you know the black progenitors of American music. It's a it's a mix. Yeah. It's a mix. Yeah. Everybody's had their hand in it, and got and thank God. Yeah, it's it's what makes us an yeah. interesting culture. I have to ask you, just because it's been in the news so much about immigration, you say in your special that you believe in borders, but you think you'd be a shitty border guard. I'd Explain be a, I'd be a shitty that. border control agent because yeah. I because I I I believe in borders, but but I, like every human being, I hold two contradictory values in my heart. Mm-hmm. I believe in justice and fair play, wait in line, legal immigration, but I also believe in mercy and compassion. Mm-hmm. And you got people trying to get over that border, and they're desperate, and they got the children. So I know I'd be like, oh, "Fuck, okay, you got the kids, just come over here, quick, 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 quick," you know. Yeah. <laughs> but that doesn't make me better. It doesn't make me a better person. It doesn't make me. Uh, uh, it means I'd be shitty for the job. Yeah. It just means I'm emotional, <laughs> and I'm and I I don't have a backbone. Mm-hmm. Being a border control agent is hard. Being a politician who has to make those decisions, that has to choose justice over mercy and compassion, that's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. Really, you think so? Absolutely not. Huh. And and okay. but but what are you gonna do if you don't believe in borders at all? Take the front door off your house. <laughs> borders you have borders yeah. are reasonable. Okay. They are, and that's a hard job. And yeah. and I don't think we should be separating children from their parents. Obviously, yeah. there's got to be a better way. But yeah. leave it up to a bloated bureaucracy like the U.S. federal government to screw things up. What a surprise! Yeah, I mean, I you know, but but. These these are uh, they're very complicated issues. I don't know. I always say you'd never vote for me as president because I'd be like, I don't know. Sometimes maybe it depends, you know. Yeah, and that's what's so messed up these days. And I always say this is, I talk to a lot of people who will say, I believe or I think. I never hear anyone anymore say I don't know. And I say I don't know 
a million times a yes, day. Because yes. frankly, there's a lot I don't I know. know. No one admits that well, anymore. Well, Joe Rogan and I were talking about, like, we're older now, and, and I've known Joe for 25 years. And when we were younger, we'd have arguments where we'd just start shouting at each other, you know, <laughs> because we wanted to win. Yeah. And now yeah. you get older and you go, wait, 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 this is an idea. There's an idea here. We're trying to solve mm-hmm. a problem. Let's say gun control, illegal immigration, universal basic uh, income, uh, uh, um, healthcare. Well, that's a problem we have to solve. Let's put the problem out on the table and let's throw some yeah. ideas at it without yeah. being attached to those ideas. Because mm-hmm. our ideas, a lot of our ideas, you know, when I hear people start defending socialism, what you're really doing is you're insulting my father. <laughs> Right. You know, you're insulting right. you're insulting what I was raised to believe was a great evil. I also lived in socialist countries and saw how well those oh, yeah, were. Yeah. yeah. But 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 I have a visceral reaction. I stop listening when Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez starts speaking. Mm-hmm. I stop listening. And that's my bad because I started listening recently to her and I disagree oh, yeah. with her end game. But she's saying things that actually I that that She's addressing a problem. Mm-hmm. Now, she may not have all the answers, but she's in a position where she has to have answers. She's got to talk, and she's on a side. She's joined the team. Yeah. But I, I get she, – she's got some things to say. I understand yeah. why she's compelling. She's not, uh, she's not a bad person. She's not a dumb person, and she's not completely mistaken. Yeah. She's got some things I could probably – glean and, le- and learn from do you think people would take democrats more seriously or, or the liberal democrats in her wing more seriously Socialist if democrats. they just banned the word socialism and just had a conversation about no because they they believe in socialism okay. so they're not going to okay. do that and also um they the the left is so fragmented mm-hmm. um they're, they're just they're just uh yeah they do a lot of fighting within their own ranks yeah conservatives have an advantage they tend to be more disciplined about uh, you know, not necessarily galvanizing, but they tend to be more homogenous. Mm-hmm. They tend to be less noisy, I okay. think. And yeah. uh, liberals tend to grow up in a, in a in a household where they're able to express themselves. Yeah, yeah, and, that's what uh, they always said about uh, political conventions. Uh, they said that Democrats always fall in love and Republicans fall in line. Yeah, the that's candidate. A, yeah, that's a great way yeah. to put it. Yeah, yeah, and I think one of the biggest culprits is the political parties themselves that want to push us to sign on to 100% of a platform and categorize us so easily, or else you're not fully committed, you're weak, you're not a true believer. Look, I I travel this country. I'm around a lot of the red states. Mm -hmm. I'm around a lot of those deplorables. Uh, Again, here's a big surprise. They're not deplorables. They're not racist by the most part. Most Americans are fair-minded, good people Mm -hmm. who just work hard and just want a better life for their kids. Mm -hmm. That's a fact, and I know that. You know why I know that? I've been performing for them forever, and and I mix with them. I drink with them. I talk with them because I am them in a lot of ways. I'm not smarter than they are. I've read more books than some people, and I haven't others. But I've made as many mistakes as anybody out there. So, so the, the one thing I know deep down in my heart is that when politicians start talking about the fact that Trump supporters are racist or misogynist, all that shit— <laughs> I find it so insulting. I don't like Trump. I didn't vote for Trump, okay? I got my problems with Trump. But when you start talking about their supporters, what what you have to realize is a lot of Trump supporters have less than $500 in the bank, and they're scared, and they're desperate, and they're worried because they want to send their kids to baseball mm-hmm. and ballet and all the other things. They want their kids to have a better life, and they don't see an opportunity. And you get somebody like, and the Democrats, the Democrats put good old Hillary Clinton 
Obama light or Obama heavy, <laughs> whatever you want to call yeah. it. And and you guys are surprised that 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 she lost to the loudmouth, to the guy who at least is funny. God, that guy's just a, a sideshow, ain't he? But he's entertaining. This is coming from a comedian, so that's heavy praise. Fuck yeah, he cracks me up. He does. I don't like yeah. the guy. I know him from New York. I don't like that guy. Never did. I think he's yeah. the most egomaniacal. It's like Sam Harris calls him the boy king, one hundred percent. But listen, yeah. listen. If 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 the Democrats are going to put Elizabeth mm-hmm. Warren, etc., up against that dude. Watch what happens. Yeah. You'll have another four years of that yeah. guy. I don't necessarily mean about Howard Schultz, but like, what do you think in general I about like independence? I mean, it seems that the parties are so like hardcore pushing us to the, right. to the extremes. I mean, I'm not a 100% Democrat or 100% Republican. Doesn't Anyone matter. who signs up 100% of a platform is a mindless sheep who's not actually willing to do some critical thinking. I'm your, sorry, your but fundraisers, it's true. Your fundraisers are on, in either camp. And they have special interests yeah. that essentially want oh, yeah. you to do their bidding, mm-hmm. and you will get a list of things to vote for, yeah. and you will spend most of your time raising money. Yeah. Uh, so, so Ocasio Cortez or anybody like that, now that they are on a team, they have to toe that line hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there are just too many interests that are that are hounding you, even if you've got a great conscience. Washington, in many ways, according to Lawrence Lessig, who's a constitutional law professor at Harvard. And his great book, Republican Lost, uh, and, and many more, but but um, talks about the fact that it's become an economy of influence and a place where good people must behave corruptly if you mm-hmm. want to stay in power. Um, so, independence. I like people like Schultz because he's like, I don't know, I'm conservative in some ways and liberal in others. Well, what about yeah. guys like us? Which is all of us. <laughs> so I like Schultz. Yeah. I know that the Democrats hate him because he's taking votes away, but. Kiss my ass. I yeah. like that guy. Yeah, because, I mean, if you do buy in 100% to a platform on issues like life, you're going to find yourself contradicting yourself. And I think you talk about in yeah. the special, I mean, you're kind of setting yourself up for hypocrisy. Yes, of course you are. Of course you are. Um, and and just, just, again, it's okay to be, to encompass the entire spectrum. It's impossible not to as a human being. Mm-hmm. You are not one thing. Yeah. And we all have moments. And those moments, if they're caught on camera, can ruin your life. And that's what scares me about the public square and social media is that people, you know, you you make one bad choice and somebody catches it and you're, you're done forever. Well, yeah. And I read an interview a while back, I think probably from two years ago, where you said that comedy is probably the last bastion of free speech these days with all the judgment on social media and the social justice warriors out there. Do you still feel that way? Yeah, I still do. I'm not letting anybody tell me what to do. Yeah. You know, I mean, if if you tell me if if I'm offending you, then then I'm going to go even harder. Yeah. I don't you know, I, I don't need you. But the problem general, is when you when you, you work for a corporation okay. like Google, mm-hmm. you know they'll fire you. Right, right. You know they they they'll 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 fire you for making the work environment unsafe. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you work in Google. Yeah. Crab boats are unsafe. The battlefield's unsafe. Yeah. Okay. Not your fucking not not Google yeah. because you posted a bunch of stuff on the difference between men and women. Scientific, yeah. true. Peer reviewed mm. studies. That apparently made it an unsafe work environment for women. Yeah. The fucking gutless, hmm. gutless ideologues, and I have a problem with that. Yeah. So. So you still, but you still think that in general, comedy is the last bastion of free speech? Because I mean, 
I guess it's the last bastion of free speech if For you now. don't care what people say or don't care that your job may put, maybe put at risk. You I, know, you know <laughs> I mean, the, the one thing as a comic is I, I, I can still I still have my audience, so okay. I, I don't have to worry about not having a job. Listen, okay. when, when, when somebody threatens your livelihood, you know, it's very real. It's, mm-hmm. you, you will keep your mouth shut. So censorship is alive and well. Mm-hmm. It's alive and well. For, and, and both sides are guilty in enforcing censorship. Yeah. Now, what I like about the right is that, that you know, um, if you are the Dixie Chicks and you criticize the president, you know, people just say, I'm not going to buy your stuff. That's mm-hmm. their right as Americans. Right. So if you want to make a stand, just know that that's the responsibility you're going to take. I, I I applaud them for speaking their mind, but they paid a very real price. But that was an economic price that was kind of enforced by the marketplace because people were offended and they go, I'm not buying your stuff. Right, that's fair. It's fair. What's not fair is when you uh, get fired from a massive corporation because they have an ideology that essentially doesn't allow for even you to question or say a certain word yeah. in a different context. Like... Like in a boardroom at Netflix, we're not going to use the N word anymore. And he was using the word and then he got fired. And it's like, hold on. He wasn't, he was saying we're not going to use it. So context (laughs) doesn't matter anymore. No. Context doesn't matter. I'm, I'm, that story, there's more to the story than that. But, but this is what, this is what we're dealing with. Nobody's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because people love to feel like they can, it's way easier to kill, uh, like to isolate. And zero yeah. on the problem and nuke it. Yeah. It's just it just feels better. Yeah. I get it. We all do it. Yeah. I'm guilty of it too. I'm not we when all I'm criti- are. Yeah. 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 I'm guilty. I, of it. I have to ask because there is a lot of social commentary behind your humor. Uh, was George Carlin a big influence on you? Because uh, the, with the special, I kept thinking this guy's a lot like Carlin. He's got well, a lot of that in him. That's a huge compliment. I bought him breakfast. Yeah, and well deserved. Time. Oh, really? And thank no you kidding. for that because uh, I think he's. He's so fantastic, and I I oh, haven't sure. listened to all his comedy, uh-huh. but I heard so funny you say that because I never tried to model myself after Carlin. I just haven't heard enough of him. But uh, I remember him. Somebody said to me that Carlin decided to stop telling jokes and start telling the truth, or something mm-hmm. to that to that effect. Or and 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 I think he was. Um, and from the the albums that I did hear, you know, when he was younger, were profound and amazing they, i don't remember laughing i remember mm-hmm. thinking yeah and he wrote an essay about uh you know measure your life by not how many breaths you take but by the things that take your breath away or something he was yeah. a beautiful writer in that sense um i never read his books but i i read i read that yeah. essay that he wrote and stuff so uh you know this is a giant he was eating breakfast at a place called cora's uh, shortly before he died and uh I bought him breakfast anonymously. I, I, oh, really? I, yes, oh, okay. Just, I was going to ask wait till you I, two talked about No, it. I said, okay. wait till I get out of here and just tell him I, oh, yeah. he's, he's the great one. I yeah. wanted the waiters to know who he was. Yeah. That's why I did it. <laughs> That's Cause, sweet. Because I, th- I felt like he ate there a lot, and I just yeah. wanted the, 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 the waiters were primarily uh, mm-hmm. Mexican. Okay. And, uh, and I knew a lot of them, you know, and I used to go in there a lot. And I just wanted, I just, you know, he was yeah. an old man. I wanted them to, to see who they were dealing with. Yeah, and they probably didn't realize that this crusty old white guy was like, you know, oh. one of their biggest champions. Oh yeah, oh yeah, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, a beautiful badass. You know? Well, before we wrap up, I just have to ask. I know that you're reuniting with your Hangover director Todd Phillips for the new Joker origin movie. Yes. Uh, can you tell us anything about that? Uh, I'm sworn to secrecy, but but I do believe that Joaquin Phoenix will probably win an Oscar. Okay. For this. He's not. He was so in character. I was there for five days. In the same room, he never he never said hi or bye. He never oh, even yeah. looked at me. 
<laughs> you know, there was one point he looked at me because we had a, committed. I had a thing to say, but I, I was just—I've never seen anybody be that committed. Wow! I was I, just like, "Is this guy unfriendly or whatever?" No, no, <laughs> that's he's just in character. I was like, "All right, well, I'm definitely not that kind of actor. Yeah. I don't know how you do it." <laughs> I mean, I think he lost a crazy amount of weight, and but he's really he's so good. Like he's yeah. so unpredictable and so good in it. And yeah. uh, the script is like Todd Phillips. Is it? It's so funny too because I said to Todd, I was like, "How do you write a script like this, dude?" He wrote it with that guy who wrote Eight Mile, you know. Oh, yeah. And he's like, well, this is the 20th draft or something. And I was like, God. And he goes, well, how long did it take you to write your special? I go, oh, yeah. Like two and a half years. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. That's, you know. But he's, he's uh, Todd is, this is a, I'll, I'll say this about the movie, um, if, if the script is any judge. This is a, this will prove what a versatile and yeah. great filmmaker that guy is. Is it I, funny? It's, it's. That's the wrong word. Uh, okay. Well, I, I just have to ask because there were rumors that the backstory is that he's an '80s a failed '80s stand-up comic, and that's the like, and then he goes bad or something. That'd like that would be like saying basketball is taking a leather bladder and throwing it into a net. Okay. I mean, it's so much more than that. Man. <laughs> okay. It's, it's okay. A, it's a. It's going to be a okay. really can't wait. Really good movie. Can't wait. Well, yeah. Brian's comedy special, Complicated Apes, is available beginning March 12th on. Over 20 different platforms, including Comcast, DirecTV, Spectrum, AT&T, Dish, Cox, iTunes, Google Play, PlayStation, Xbox, Vudu. I don't even know what that is, Jesus. and many more. Yeah, man. Um, and of course, you have your podcast. Uh, Fighter do you want to plug kid. that? Yeah. yeah. Fighter and a Kid. And, Check it uh, out on mixed, iTunes. Mixed and Mental everywhere. Arts uh, that I do where I interview academics. Oh, yeah. And stuff. I like that one. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, so. Brian Callen, thanks so much for talking with me. Thanks for having me, brother. Thanks again to Brian Callen for coming on the podcast. One more time, you've got to check out his latest comedy special, Complicated Apes, now available from Comedy Dynamics, available on over 20 different platforms, including Comcast, DirecTV, Spectrum, AT&T, Dish, Cox, iTunes, Google Play, PlayStation, Xbox, and many more. Watch Brian on his ABC shows, The Goldbergs and Schooled. Subscribe to his podcasts, The Fighter and the Kid and Mixed Mental Arts on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. And follow him on Twitter at at Brian Callen. Whatever struggles you're facing, from depression and anxiety to trauma and grief, BetterHelp can connect you with a professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. It's so convenient you can schedule secure video or phone sessions as well as chat and text with your therapist. And anything you share is completely confidential. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option. Kick-Ass News listeners even get 10% off your first month with the discount code KICK. So why not get started? Simply go to betterhelp.com KICK and fill out a questionnaire to get matched with a counselor you'll love today. Be sure to subscribe to Kick-Ass News on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. And if you like what you're hearing, then rate and review us while you're there. Five-star reviews are the easiest way for new listeners to find us. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at at KickAssNewsPod. And feel free to email me with your thoughts, questions, and suggestions at comments at kickassnews.com. Until next time, I'm Ben Mathis, and thanks for listening to Kick-Ass News.
The Cast News is a trademark of Mathis Entertainment, Inc.